Welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we're looking at Red Museum, initially aired December 9th, 1994, IMDb average user rating of 7.7 out of 10. This episode was written by Chris Carter and directed by Wynne Phelps. Now, this is Wynne Phelps' only episode of the X-Files. Looking at his IMDb listings, he's got a fairly impressive career, but it's primarily in comedies. At least in terms of repeat jobs, it's primarily in comedies. Comedy and drama, especially this type of horror-style drama, do have very different styles, which may explain why he only directed this single episode. As far as having Chris Carter write it is concerned, that's largely because this was originally meant to be a crossover with Picket Fences, the David E. Kelly series, that would have been the first internetwork crossover between series. They'd done crossovers between shows, primarily spin-offs, things like Mork and Mindy coming out of Happy Days, or Laverne and Shirley coming out of Happy Days. They've also done crossovers that were independent, you know, things like one week all the sitcoms decide to go to Vegas, so characters from one show bump into characters from another. I believe things like characters from Coach and characters from Drew Carey would meet at the, the craps tables. Things like that. But again, all of those crossovers up to this point had been usually within one production company, or at the very least within one network. This would have been the first one that crossed networks. So it would have been start off watching one episode on one channel, and then jump to watch the other show on the other channel. That fell through. There would be an internet crossover that The X-Files was involved in, but that's not coming up until Season 5, and it's actually the 100th episode. Because those negotiations fell through, Chris Carter took bits and pieces of that initial plan and turned it into a different episode. So this one starts off for at least the first half, maybe the first three quarters, depending on how good the memory of the audience members are, looking like a standalone episode, something similar to Genderbender, where we have strange occurrences, got kids in town getting kidnapped only to be re-released marked as he is one or she is one, they've got strange drugs in their system, they don't remember a lot of their experiences, and there is an unusual cult in town that the locals are all blaming. About halfway through, the crew-cut man appears. Now, sharp-eyed viewers would recognize the crew-cut man as the man who executed Deep Throat at the end of the Erlenmeyer flask. The characters don't put that together until about the last quarter of the episode. So this is where you find out that it's a conspiracy episode. Similarly, Scully gets the talk screen back on that compound that's in these kids that people don't recognize, and it's purity control, which was what was in the Erlenmeyer flask itself. So we're starting to see these threads of conspiracy start to tie together. We've seen a lot of conspiracy elements up to this point, but a lot of them have been going their own ways in their separate directions, and they didn't necessarily appear to be part of one big picture. This is where the big picture is starting to form. So we've already seen in both Eve and Sleepless that the government was working on ways to improve its soldiers and improve the people. We've seen that they've been experimenting with alien DNA and genetics and alien technology as early as the around mile flask. Now it looks like these may be coming together. What we know for sure is that the kids who were treated with this compound show no signs of disease. They're very healthy. At least one of them has never been sick a day in his life, but they do have heightened aggression. There's even an old man who says that in the last year, there have been seven rapes in this small town, all by high school kids. Now, that old man is one of the notable guest stars in this episode. His name is Robert Clothier. Now, a lot of American viewers wouldn't recognize him. A lot of Canadians would. He had a lot of guest spots and things like The Outer Limits, Due South. He's actually going to appear on The X-Files again. He was in Da Vinci's Inquest. He was in Poltergeist. But he's probably best known, at least to Canadians, as Relic. 
In the first season, we talked about the Beachcombers, which was a Canadian series that ran 19 seasons and 209 episodes of what effectively amounted to the tortoise and the hare. Well, Robert Clothier played Relic, who was effectively the tortoise. So he was the one with the big boat that can haul a whole bunch of logs at once instead of the speedy boat that can haul one log at a time. So not a very great series, but a very recognizable series. And that series actually wrapped up in 1990. So it began in 1972 when Clothier was 51 years old. So he eventually passed away at age 77 in 1999. Well, in terms of the other guest stars, Lindsay Ginter is the crew cut man. He's also been in Hitchcock, in Argo, in Criminal Minds, in Transformers, Dark of the Moon, in Lost, in CSI, Without a Trace, Malcolm in the Middle, Judging Amy, Angel, SWAT, Six Feet Under, Alias, Pearl Harbor, The District, Star Trek Voyager, Profile, The Pretender, Walker, Texas Ranger, The Practice, Gattaca, Mars, and a number of other shows. Not typically prominent roles, but he does have a unique look and unique physiology. He's one of those actors that can be a little typecast because you get certain impressions about what kind of character he's playing just because of the way he looks. And we also see Mark Rolston as Richard Oden, who's the head of this cult. He's probably better known for work in things like Profiler, Dark Angel, The Shield, 24, Justice League, Enterprise, CSI Miami, the original CSI and CIS. He's the voice of Lex Luthor in the Young Justice cartoon. He was in the Shawshank Redemption. He was one of the Marines in Aliens. He was in Lethal Weapon 2, Robocop 2. Again, one of the actors where a lot of people know his face, but not necessarily his name. Similar case for Steve Easton, who's been in Catch Me If You Can, Con Air, Matchstick Man, Up in the Air, and Dexter, Locker 13. He plays the local sheriff. Paul Sand is the actual kidnapper, who's been in the main event, Checking Back the Hot Rock, Teen Wolf 2, not the original. Sliders, Joan of Arcadia, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, L.A. Law, Erie, Indiana, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Again, a lot of recognizable roles, if not a lot of major roles. We also see Jillian Barber. Now, this is actually her second appearance on The X-Files. She was previously in Ghost in the Machine, and she will appear again in Seasons 3 and 4. This is the second of three characters. Her next two appearances are also her final two appearances, and in those appearances she plays the same character. So what we have here is a decent episode that I felt really picked up in the last quarter, the last half, when we start to see how it fits into the overall mythology of the series. Before then, it did feel a lot like some of the earlier episodes. But by the time it's done, it really has become a new beast. It's the kind of thing where Mulder and Scully are researching something that seems unrelated than just a typical X-File, but really, it's an important piece of the bigger picture. And we are going to be seeing a lot more of those as the series progresses. So that's what we have to say about Red Museum. Join us again in two weeks when we discuss Excelsius Day, assuming I didn't horribly mispronounce that. Thank you, and please join us again. Intro and outro music is by Lastwell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content, copyright 2014, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments and feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes.